Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Yogi Aaron. He is a trailblazing yoga teacher who's on a serious mission and rebellion against stretching. He pioneered the groundbreaking approach to yoga that shows people how to live pain-free by activating muscles through applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation, which he calls a yama. So in a world where stretching and flexibility are kind of what's recommended all the time when there's pain, Yogi Aaron's fighting, fighting the curve there. He is going to tell us a ton about why stretching and certain yoga practices are not what we want to be doing. And I gotta say, his stuff makes a lot of sense, especially based on my research into the body and even going into some of my advanced training with acupuncture and things of that nature. So Yogi Aaron is on a mission. He's a great wealth of knowledge, and I really look forward to you guys hearing this podcast. So let's introduce you to Yogi Aaron. Hey, health junkies. I have Yogi Aaron on today, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things, alternative health, but in particular, we're going to be talking about stretching and why I have told folks over and over again, stop stretching so much we might have some problems and so yogi is going to tell us going to tell us you know why that could be detrimental to our health and and overall longevity of our muscles and such so yogi aaron welcome to the health fix podcast thank you so much for having me on doctor i appreciate it no problem no problem so as we were jumping on the call and we were talking about all the lovely things you had mentioned that you are in costa rica so i want to give folks a little bit of a scoop of like you were saying you have a retreat center and you're yes. down there how how did you come to find costa rica what what was your what's your story about how you landed in costa rica give us the scoop so, <laughs> so i i'm a yoga teacher by trade mm. and i started leading yoga retreats around the world and after leading a yoga retreat in Hawaii, uh, a lot of my students were based in New York. A student suggested that I go to uh, Costa Rica. So I came down here in January of 2004 on a scouting trip and just fell in love with Costa Rica. There's um, much like Hawaii has that aloha spirit. Costa mm-hmm. Ricans have this Pura Vida spirit, which is very similar to the co- same kind of ideas aloha. But this place is just so chocked full of life, different species of birds and and monkeys. Uh, Where my place is on the Osa Peninsula, there's sometimes we have four species of monkeys like circling around our property. I don't say circling in a bad way, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) It's not a planet of the apes sort of thing. But also... You know, the Osa Peninsula, which is where we're located, has been said to hold 2.5% of the Earth's biodiversity. And this small, tiny place, like really tiny place. So it's just a very majestic place. I fell in love with it. And about three years later, on another trip, I there was past this property with a Century 21 sign outside. And as I looked through, there was this tunnel of bougainvilleas and hibiscus flowers. And as I looked through this tunnel, at the end of it was this uh, crystal clear turquoise blue sea. And I just felt like that was home to me. So that's what led me there. Wow. I would like a tunnel of bougainvillea and hibiscus. That sounds amazing to have like that just (laughs) through the tunnel and then you see the ocean. My goodness. Sounds super. Super peaceful. Now, of course, I got to ask. Oso is the the name for bear, right? In Spanish, and so That's Oso correct. would be female bear. Well done. Yes. Are there are there bears out there? To my knowledge, <laughs> there has never been bears on the Oso Peninsula. I don't know why, and I'm probably making this up, but maybe there's some truth to this that there was some sort of native tribe there in the past that was like the Osa tribe. Again, I don't really know for sure. So I'm probably talking a little out of school. <laughs> no worries. I, you know, I'm going like, man, I don't know about bears living, you know, south of the equator area. I don't, I, yeah. you know, 
And I'm like, I don't even know where the equator is in my brain right now. So anyway, I might be talking out of school, but interesting about, out, about the name. I always wonder about names. I'm like, did it look like a bear? Does it come <laughs> from above? So yeah. anyway, so tell us a little bit about how you came to be Yogi Aaron. Like what, what inspired you with yoga? How did you become a yogi? What's your story there? It's well, Yogi Aaron, my, so my name is Aaron and then <laughs> Yogi is sort of like a title, a nickname, if you will. Um, and, and it just kind of denotes this idea, it reinforces this idea that I am a person that practices yoga. I started yoga when I was about 18 years old and very quickly. And, and like most people who get into yoga, I did it for two reasons to stay young and to keep the mobility in my body, to, to stretch, to get rid of tight tightness. The interesting thing was very shortly after me starting to stretch, aka do yoga or aka stretch, that I hurt myself really badly in my back. And I remember that my lower back completely seized up on me. And I was having the thought of like, I, this is not how I want to live my best life. <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I, the solution was, was to stretch more. And every time I went to a yoga teacher, I would tell them of my back problems. I became a person who had back problems and they would just say to me, we need to open your hips. We need to open your hamstrings. We need to open your lower back. So of course the solution was to stretch. And every morning I remember getting out of bed feeling, oh my God, my body feels like, you know, a hundred years old. I, okay, well, let's go bang out of practice. Let's go and stretch. And I would always feel better. Like there was no doubt that I would feel better, but then the tightness came back with the vengeance. The uh, problems came back with the vengeance. And about 25 years after doing this, I ended up in the emergency room of a hospital with the orthopedic surgeon telling me that I was going to need a spinal fusion probably in my lower back. And that was like a moment of reckoning when I kind of realized I needed to go back to basics and understand the body. Um, and that whole journey kind of led me into muscle activation uh, technique and where I studied how to activate muscles and how to and understanding the causes of why muscles are tight in the first place. And that kind of took me into this whole practice of teaching applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. Yeah, you know, that, that whole concept there of, you know, most people look at someone who's a yogi, right? And they're yeah. like, they must be so flexible. And, you know, that's the way we we need to get into. And a lot of folks are, why don't you try yoga? But hearing that yeah. you were like set for a spinal fusion, a lot of people be like, but you were doing yoga, you know, and, and, <laughs> and that that's where a lot of people would be thinking, like, are you sure you weren't like power lifting? You weren't on the side, you know, working, yeah. you know, lifting heavy weights in an oil field. Like, you know, th folks would be thinking, like, was there anything else that could have possibly contributed to this sure and, well and I, I i want to just comment and say that one of the dirty secrets i think it's a dirty secret in the yoga world that very few people talk about is how many especially senior yoga teachers have had knee replacements hip replacements uh lower back surgeries shoulder surgeries like there's a lot of yoga teachers yoga people who have really really uh um, bad bodies for lack of better words and have needed surgical intervention. And so a lot of, there's been a, this kind of idea that, Oh, to be a yoga person, we need to be more flexible. And I, and to be a good mm -hmm. yoga person, I need to be more flexible. And the irony of it to me sometimes is that a lot of yoga teachers, most yoga teachers will say, well, yoga isn't about flexibility. Meanwhile, they're saying that as their foot is wrapped around their head, you know, and it's such a, uh, it's so hypocrite. It's kind of a hypocritical thing to, you know, say one thing, but then do another thing. And it sends a very mixed message to the students. How can I, if, if you're putting your foot behind your head, therefore I'm the student, I should be putting my foot behind my head. I need to be more flexible. And it's like yoga has nothing to do with flexibility or stretching. And 
one of the things that my teacher Greg always says is that you can become more flexible, but flexibility always leads to instability and instability always leads to injury. So if you want to stretch, you know, namaste, but you are going to end up injured, you know, either in the near future or distant future, you will end up injured and possibly you might need, you know, surgical intervention. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you bringing this up, you know, I wanted you to kind of share that too, because one of the things I see as an acupuncturist is sure. I have a lot of yogis that show up in my office and they're like, yeah, I've got this elbow thing. I can't seem to get rid of. I got the shoulder thing, you yeah. know? And, and so I always was like, if, okay. Um, you know, there's that like thought process, like if you're getting banged up all the time, and you're not, yeah. you know, but you're not doing what, you know, you're doing what we've been all told to do. It, it's, it's really confusing. And, and also hard for a doc to be like, okay, I think you could benefit from the mind stuff of yoga, you know, and, but, but maybe, maybe yoga isn't for you in that type, right. In that sense yeah. of like stretch and, and I'll explain something. Um, and I'd love to hear your take on this because one of the things that had me not do yoga for many, many years is that I went to a class in Chicago when I worked at a spa downtown and the instructor, I am as of nature, not a super flexible person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's my body's like protection actually, but my, sure. I would go into pigeon, but I couldn't get down enough. And you were mentioning how the yoga person, like, I'm not putting my leg behind my head ever. That will just not happen. <laughs> that will not happen. I can't do it, but I was doing a pigeon and, and my pigeon was probably, it looked like I was standing still. Um, for those of you that know what pigeon is, I, 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 don't, I can't get down very far. The person pushed me down and I felt extreme tearing and, and in my right hip and, and I've had SI joint issues kind of since then, but I also was an ice skater as a kid. I fell a lot on my hip. I played hockey as a kid, slammed in the 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 bar the board. So I can't explain, I can't blame it on that all. But since then I've I had pain. And so I always was kind of like, yoga is okay, but I want you to be doing it as a practice of movement and flow, not as a practice for stretch. And so when I saw that you were specifically talking about stretch in that case, I was like, we need to talk. So you told us <laughs> you told us that you you had you were like slated to talk to this doc about a spinal fusion. Yes. I'm guessing you didn't have the spinal fusion. I did not have the spinal fusion. Um I, you know, stopped stretching right away and I worked on just activating my muscles. And what I came to learn and what got really drilled into my head was that the stretching was shutting down muscles. Um, I want to just kind of go back to something that you said, because you said something very profound. Uh, you said that my body is in a protective state probably. And what a lot of, what I think a lot of people, when I say people, I'm talking about yoga teachers, uh, movement specialists, even doctors to some point, have forgotten is that tight muscles is the biomechanical response, the body's response to protecting itself. My teacher, Greg uses this example a lot. Like if we walk on ice, like you, you know, you're living in the Pacific Northwest or now you're in Chicago and, you know, it gets cold out. And sometimes there's ice on the ground. You kind of step on that ice and you slip a little bit. What does your body do? It tightens up. And so it's a protective mechanism, or if somebody jumps out and scares you, what do you do? You tighten up, you freeze. And so tight muscles is the body's way of protecting itself. And I wish to God, you know, if I could go, if I could change one thing in my life, it would have been somebody telling me, you know, Aaron, your hamstrings are tight because your body is not there. Your muscles are not working properly and we need to get in this case, your hip flexors to start working properly. And so what did I do? I ended up focusing on a program of stretching my back muscles wrong, stretching my hamstrings wrong. What I should have been doing was working on things to activate my core. Now I was a very strong person. I mean, I can go on a 25 mile hike, no problem. I have strength, but the problem is, is that my muscles were not activating. They weren't working properly. And so, you know, that's where muscle activation comes into this. And 
when I ended up in the hospital and started to learn about, yeah, my psoas isn't working. Well, if you look at what the function is of the psoas, one of the functions is to maintain that lordotic curve of the lumbar spine, that natural C curve that we have. What do we do in yoga? So much of what we're doing in yoga by cueing people to tuck the tailbone, by cueing people to push forward, fold forward beyond their end range of motion, we're actually flattening that C curve, number one. Number two, we're stretching the muscles. Anytime we stretch a muscle, it's going to have an opposite effect on the opposite muscles. So it's actually going to start shutting down the opposite muscles, in this case, the psoas. So it, when we're when we're lengthening a muscle beyond what its capacity is, or we're forcing a muscle to shorten beyond what its natural shortening state is, that proprioception between the brain or the central nervous system and the muscle gets cut off. It's like taking a pair of gardening shears to your your nerves and literally cutting them. Now that if you do it enough times, sometimes you know that connection really doesn't come back naturally. Um, and that's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand. They're like, well, it's going to come back eventually, will it? Well, it really depends on how old you are, how much stress you have, how much trauma you've inflicted on your body, either by yourself or, or outside forces, aka car accident. Um, but some in some cases, it just doesn't come back until we, as Greg would say, hotwire or rewire that system and start to rebuild that neuromuscular uh, connection, which is, you know, some of the work that you do in acupuncture. And I, I've, I've had acupuncture in my weakened state where I could feel that proprioception starting to come back alive again. Um, and and that's, that's, that's part of the therapeutic process is getting that neuromuscular connection to start working again. Awesome. We have to talk about that. First, I want to ask a question, though, because I'm going, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm very visual. And so I start thinking about and, and for those of you guys who are listening, we have mus muscle fibers slide over each other, much yes. like you would imagine, like two fingers. And, and I'm I'm doing it. Uh, you guys can't see me, but you, it just if you took your fingers and you took your hands and you slid your fingers over each other, if they get stretched too far, those fingers can't grab and like create a muscle contraction. If they're too short, yeah. they can't create a forceful contraction. So with acupuncture, yeah. you know, we we try to regulate that. But I'm so curious, like, OK, that helps with neuromuscular junction. So where the nerves comes into the muscle, but like for yes. for for techniques. Give us like a little, and, and psoas is probably the biggest bane of my existence <laughs> for so many reasons. And for those of you guys who are wondering, what is the psoas? The iliopsoas is a hip flexor muscle. And it's probably the, I don't know, Yogi and you could probably tell me this, is it's probably the biggest like messer upper of back, you know, like messes with the back so much. So give us a yeah. scoop on like how you guys, how you guys work on basically re reprogramming that muscle to activate. What's, what's one of the, the scoops or if, if there's a different muscle, give us that scoop. I'm, I'm super curious. So I'm going to answer it in two ways. Um, I'm going to, the first way is like when I, as a muscle activation technique specialist. So I mm -hmm. study with Greg Roscoff who has the muscle activation technique world. And just for your listeners to understand, I studied muscle activation technique. And what I saw uh, as a problem was that people there was nobody in that muscle activation technique world translating this into yoga or translating this into quote unquote movement, so to speak. And so that's how I came up with the Ayama philosophy, applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. So in muscle activation technique, what I would do is I would go and find where your muscles, Dr. Janine's muscles are weak, which muscles, like which muscle system isn't working. So if it was hip flexors, for example, maybe your hip flexors aren't working and that's showing up as weak as like the big elephant that we need to address mm -hmm. in your body. And just kind of talking to you and listening to you, I kind of have a hunch that's probably where, where we would probably start. So I would go in and for example, with the psoas, I would test your psoas to see if it was strong or if it's weak. Now, what is the difference between a weak muscle and a strong muscle in our world? We're looking at a muscle's ability to contract and contract on demand. 
That's the definition of stability. So when you go into a range of motion, muscles should be able to fire immediately and be able to engage. And this is, by the way, this is a huge problem that a lot of yoga teachers and even movement specialists don't, you know, understand. They forgot the basic tenets of what proper muscle function is. The muscles should be able to contract properly and, and muscles need to contract to move bones and to stabilize joints. You know, they don't do that in a lengthened state per se, you know, muscles lengthen because the opposite muscle is contracting, you know? And so if you mm -hmm. want a muscle to lengthen, you need to get the opposite muscle to contract. So in my case, I had tight hamstrings. So that was because my quads and hip flexors weren't shortening properly. They were not contracting on demand. And so I would go in and test your psoas, for example, and test its ability to contract and contract on demand. Just kind of talking to you, I, I'm guessing it's probably going to be weak. So it probably would test weak. And then I would go in and stimulate it. So I would stimulate it by palpating at the insertion and origin points where the muscle connects to the bone. And at that place is where the nerve endings are and it meets the intrafusal muscle fibers. So we're stimulating that point. And what we're trying to do is stimulate what's called gamma motor neurons. So gamma motor neurons send messages to the central nervous system hey, we're here, <laughs> we need to contract. And then the central nervous system then sends a message back to the muscle. Hey, okay, contract. And by the way, for your listeners to understand, this happens in a nanosecond. Like this isn't like a long process. It should happen instantaneously. And what's interesting is, and, and I was watching, there was, there was this girl who was doing this special, I think it was for PBS, on the science of stretching. And, and if you wanna become more flexible, what do you need to do? She brings in this expert. Now, granted, I watched this at just recently, like I watched this about six months ago and my jaw nearly hit the floor because the professor was saying, when we stretch, what we're doing is dulling, making dull that connection with the intrafusal muscle fibers. If we stretch enough, we actually stop that gamma motor neuron coactivation, meaning that the muscles are no longer communicating with your central nervous system. And because they're not communicating, you're able to make that muscle longer. And I thought to myself, why are you saying this? Like, it's a good thing. Like, that's a horrible thing. Because in muscle activation, what we're trying to do is get that communication system working. So if you've got pain at a certain place in your body, it's like you just said, elbows and shoulders earlier, it's because the muscles at those joints are not contracting properly to stabilize those joints. When those joints aren't stabilized, the result is inflammation and inflammation appears or manifests as pain. Now in my field, what we would do in, in a gamma, because I obviously in a yoga class, I'm not going around and palpating people's muscles. And I'm obviously not teaching yoga teachers to palpate people's muscles. What we do is we would just go in and do an isometric to get that muscle uh, working properly. So what we want to do is bring the psoas actively, not passively into a shortened state. And we hold it for six seconds and we repeat that six times that will start to stimulate that gamma motor neuron coactivation. It starts to stimulate those intrafusal muscle fibers to get the gamma motor neuron coactivation. And the cool thing is, Dr. Janine, is that when you do these isometrics, you feel the strength right away. Like you're like, oh my God, my muscles, I actually feel more stable in my body. And when we have stability, you mentioned earlier, like you're tight and that you uh, are, your body's probably in a protective state. If we got some of those muscles working properly, you would start to feel like that. It, you literally do feel it. There is a kinetic feeling of like, oh my God, that protection is, is disappearing. And it, a lot of times it feels like 
oh, I've got more range of motion. And one of the things that Greg always says is like, when we have stability, you end up having all the mobility that you ever could want. It makes sense. I mean, it makes yeah. perfect, it makes perfect sense if you're not guarding against something that you're, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that we have nerves even in our little tendons and ligaments that, that yes. send feedback back to the brain, you know, and it's if we're guarding against something, of course, we're not going to have mobility correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so give us the scoop. Cause you were saying you're not doing it actively in yoga. So for example, you would do something where you would contract six times, then would you go into a, a, a flow series or, or how, how does it work? I'm trying to visualize. Cause I'm like <laughs> in, in my practice, I, I have a advanced like certificate, if you will, for sports medicine, acupuncture. And, and we did do very similar muscle testing, you know, what's weak. Okay. Do that. Then do the needles afterwards Yes, and then retest. So my, my curiosity is like, okay, so, so how does it work in, in a, a yoga session? How, how do you do it? Like what, what does a session look like? So that's a really good question. I did. Um, there's a couple of different ways that we build it in. Number one, though, I don't really do a lot of testing in yoga classes. What I might do is do like a pose, like say trikonasana, triangle pose. And I might set it up and just say to people, notice what your range of motion is. Notice how you feel. Do you feel stable or do you feel wobbly? Do you, and, and also just pay attention to what your range of motion is. Then we would do some muscle activations and come back and then I say retest, redo the pose again. And again, notice if there's any difference. Do you feel more stable? Do you notice that you have more range of motion? Do you notice that the wobbliness is gone away? So that's a really cool thing. And I would say that 95 to 99% of people that do that with me are like their eyeballs pop out of their head and they're like, mm -hmm. oh my God. Uh, one of my cool party tricks too is sometimes I'll, I'll, get like a muscle strong, um, usually like say, for example, core muscles, and I'll get people to feel it by doing simple leg raises, like, you know, raise your right leg off the ground, raise your left leg off the ground. Now raise both legs off the ground. And they're like, yeah, I feel strong. It's, it's not as hard as it was before the muscle activation. Then we'll do a stretch. We'll get people into like child's pose, which is like the number one best pose in yoga. It's actually the number one pose you should stay away from. Don't ever do child's Whoa. pose again. And I'll get people to do child's pose. And usually after child's pose, they will not only notice that they're weaker, they will notice that they're weaker than from the very beginning when they started, you know, the yoga class, like it completely weakens your body on a dramatic level. So, um, to answer your question about how to fit this in, I kind of like, I weave in different muscle activations. So that's one answer, like, but a lot of yoga poses mirror or mimic muscle activations. I'll give you two examples of, of one of my favorite, two of my favorite poses. One is bridge pose, Satubandhasana, bridge pose. So if you cue bridge pose properly, you can cue it in a way where you're actually activating the glutes and and firing the glutes properly, which is, as you know, being an acupuncturist, that it's such an important part of having stability in the body, the stability in the lower part of the body and in the back. Another pose that's really great that kind of mirrors um, yoga poses is Shalabhasana or locust pose or Superman pose. When you're lying on your stomach and then you lift your legs and your chest off the ground. And that's such a great pose because it targets all the muscles in the back, um, specifically lower back. And you're actively bringing those muscles to a shortened state and then holding them for six seconds and then come down and you repeat that six times. So that's a fantastic pose to do. So a lot of yoga poses, you know, are, are mimicking potential muscle activation postures. And then sometimes there's, they're not, but then you just, you just kind of slide them in there here and there that that's part one. Part two is the way that we approach a yoga pose. And so let's use like a wide leg forward fold, Parsarita Padantanasana, wide leg forward fold. You stand on your mat, 
You bring your legs, your feet about four feet apart. You bring your hands to your waist. Now, as you fold forward, the way that a lot of yoga teachers would cue it is fold forward, bring your hands to the floor and now try and grab your, your ankles and pull your head as close as you can. I wouldn't cue it like that. I would cue it a little bit differently. I would say, bring your hands to your waist, bring your feet wide. Now let's only go to 30%. 30% is less than halfway. And then I would say, engage your core and squeeze your hips into midline. And maybe even with like a little bit of effort, even squeeze your feet towards each other. And then inhale, come back up. And I might, you said flow earlier. I would flow in and out of that. So inhale, come back up, exhale, come forward and just hold it there just for a short moment. Inhale, come back up. So that's one way to approach yoga postures because yoga postures isn't about how flexible I can become. It's about how stable I can become. Now you may ask the question, why is stability important? Well, when we have stability in the body, we have stillness in the body. We also get our muscles working properly. So muscle starts stabilizing joints properly, but that stability is also mirrored in the mind. And so as the body becomes stable, what we start to notice is that the mind becomes more stable as well. And instability shows up as the mind becomes calm and quiet. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that that's incredible to think about because you're like, now your mind's not trying to think about how to keep you safe. It's like, oh, I yes. got that covered. I'm good. Now I can hopefully not loop on other things. But it makes me think like, yeah, if it doesn't have that like environmental, like, I don't know if I'm a trip and fall. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> if we don't have that low level of anxiety, yes, you know, now we can bring things down. I mean, I mean that's huge. That's huge for a lot of people. Yes. And, and maybe why. A lot of people are like, no, doc, I'm not stressed. Everything's great in my life. I just don't know why I can't get rid of this, you know, tension of my shoulders as, as earrings, you know? Yes. Yes. It makes sense. It makes sense. So yeah. I'm envisioning and, and I'm envisioning a whole session of yoga as a way to kind of tune the muscles up. You know, people talk about alignment, but I'm kind of like stabilization throughout head to toe. Yeah. Is that yeah. kind of how, like, if someone say doesn't have something specific that they're working on, would that be how you would use this kind of maintenance wise or preventative health wise? Yeah, I, there's, I want to respond to something that you said, cause it was kind yeah. of important. You said alignment mm -hmm. and, you know, so much of us in, in that are movement specialists or healers look at people's alignment and then say, you need to fix your alignment. Like your shoulders are hunched, you're hunched over. You need to learn to sit up straight. You need to stand straight. And I don't look at it through that lens anymore. I look at a person's gait and go, where is their weakness? And let's get the muscles start working properly. And so if a person is appearing hunched over, for example, that's their neutral state. I don't want to force them to come into another state you know, because they're just going to revert back to where they were. And if I force them to open their chest and do all of these things to open themselves up so they're standing straight, I've actually created more weakness. What I want to do is start to go, well, you're hunched over because your traps aren't working properly. Uh, your rhomboids aren't activated properly. All of your back extensors are not working properly. So if we get those muscles activated, you're going to stand up well as a result because your body, your muscles are starting to support the joints of your body and are pulling you in that, you know, in that state. So your gait has changed uh, quite a bit. Um, you asked me a question. Now I don't remember what the question was. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, that's, that's a great description, you know, for, for alignment. Cause yes, a lot of folks are obsessed with getting someone's shoulders, even yes. um, getting someone's hips, even, you know, whether it's chiropractic, whether it's someone who's like uh, any type of body worker, let's put it that way. Sure. Or acupuncture wise, you know, I'm also going to look and see what someone looks like. And, and after an acupuncture session, I want to see if I have aligned things, but yes. and, and alignment's not really the right word. It's more like evened out. Maybe it's probably a better word or, or got the muscle to, to not be 
stuck, but it makes sense that mm, maybe I'm making. Well, and, and it's cool too. No, no, no. But it's cool because when you're doing acupuncture on somebody and we're getting, you, you know, we're stimulating, you know, through either muscle activation or through acupuncture, which is a form of muscle activation, you're starting to affect the communication system between muscles and the central nervous system. As that happens, a person's posture, AKA alignment is going to change, but that's not going to change because you're telling that student or that, 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 um, patient, Hey, you need to change your alignment. You did it through, you know, getting their body to start working properly. That's cool. Um, what I'm saying is like, you know, there's so much fascination in the yoga world. Oh, you've got to change your alignment. Well, alignment is only going to change when the body's muscular system is working properly and the joints of the body are being, are, are working properly. I focused for years, for 25 years, I focused on getting my, you know, the curve in my back, you know, flattened to get, you know, the hips squeezing to midline to work on standing well. And I still ended up in the surgeon's office, you know, mm. telling me I was going to need a spinal fusion. So I don't know the alignment thing as, as focusing just on alignment. That's not where I focus on what I want us to focus on, which is what you're doing is focusing on getting the body's communication system working properly so that muscles start doing their job, which is to support the joints of the body and to move bones properly. <laughs> it's, it's really, I mean, when we think about it in terms of mission control being up here and we, we think about things, but we're also looking vagus nerve. We're also looking at how yes. the nerves communicate having, like I mentioned before, one less thing that the nervous system has to be like, something's off, something's off, you know, and that message, <laughs> it's one less thing. It takes down the stress on the nervous system, which I think for a lot of people, just having a practice where it's like every morning you're, you're rebooting your nerves, you're rebooting the communication. In my mind, I'm like, that's way better than going into something that you're going to be like, I'm going to stretch the living daylights out of myself and then wonder why. I still feel stressed, you know, and, yes. and that's one of the things that a lot of people will ask me like, Hey doc, do you, do you have a regular practice of yoga? And I, and I say, no, because the truth is I never actually felt better from, from doing yoga. And it's probably because now, and this is where I'm going to kind of ask some questions into that. It seemed to me what I was doing just wasn't working for me. So I just kind of said yoga isn't for me, but at the same time I'm going, maybe it wasn't for me because I wasn't you know, activating the muscles that I needed, et cetera. So here's my question. What, what do you think happened? How did it go from this ancient, amazing medicine really yes. and technique to so many different schools and so many different thoughts? Like what did humans do? What happened? What did we do to it? So I, just to kind of circle back for a second, I, yeah, yoga would be great for you. Yoga is everybody I think should can benefit from yoga. What people would not benefit from is stretching. And, mm -hmm. you know, stretching is kind of hijacked yoga, stretching yeah. flexibility. And, and I, that's, there's so much to unpack there. I'll try and give you my <laughs> less than three minute, you know, readers digest version. Cause I have a whole, you know, episode, I talk about it a lot and, you know, yoga is a practice that helps us you know, the ultimate goal of yoga is for us to be able to understand ourselves and see life's purpose, to understand the purpose of life and the purpose of our life, and really to cultivate an indomitable will to go out to manifest our life's purpose. I mean, if you kind of want to synthesize what yoga is, that's kind of it in a nutshell. We have a purpose. Let's go out and fulfill it. And the problem is that a lot of us have messed it up. And we've, you know, we've, our mind has started to identify with this body. Our mind has started to identify with our, you know, our history, our feelings, and we get distracted a lot. We've created our own suffering. Mm -hmm. We bit into the apple <laughs> and we've, yeah. we kind of mess it up. And so yoga recognizes that Patanjali recognizes that in Sutra one, four, he says, Hey, we've messed it up. 
And so now we need to unmess it up. And that's the practice of yoga is unmessing it up. Mm -hmm. And what happened along the way, and it sort of happened around 120 years ago, more or less, is that there was a great teacher named Krishnamacharya who realized that in order for people to take this practice, you know, like, let's physical it, let's make it more physical, let's show people like, you know, what they can do with their bodies. And he also started to understand, like, you know what, doing these postures actually does make us feel better and has an effect on the, on the, on the nervous system. And when the nervous system is calm, there's less inflammation and that's going to have a positive, you know, effect. And from Krishnamacharya onward, it's sort of been this de-evolution or, or devolution. <laughs> what is that word? <laughs> of moving more away, moving away from the promise of what yoga can be and making yoga more about stretching. And I kind of do this whole talk where I kind of end up at Jane Fonda. So from Krishnamacharya to Jane Fonda. And, and then I kind of lovingly, because I do adore Jane Fonda, um, you know, blame her for, you know, what happened because she put out these yoga videos and she was sort of one of the very first people to do it where, you know, she's, you know, she looks fabulous, looks gorgeous in leotards and leg warmers and, you know, is, is making it about stretching. And, and if we kind of like see the trajectory from there, we see that it becomes more and more and more about stretching. And there's a lot of yoga people, you know, on Instagram now that are like, you know, you can, you can become more flexible and I'm going to show you how, and, you know, here's 10 secrets to becoming more flexible. So more and more people are just, you know, buying into the whole flexibility thing, unfortunately. Um, and, and then of course people coming into yoga, you know, get that reaffirmed over and over and over again, like yeah. stretching is a good thing, not realizing that actually it's, it's causing more harm than good. I'm really glad that you mentioned all of that, all of that, because, and, and even love Jane Fonda, but yes, yeah, so, you know, it's just, we have certain people that will shift the, the dynamic of things. And one of the things that my friends and I lovingly joke about in the Pacific Northwest, you know, about the different yoga studios, studios is you're like, oh, that's the one where, you know, that they're all about poses. And if you don't do the pose right, you feel shamed for it. So I'm not going yes. there. And then there's the other ones where there's the studio, the hot yoga studio. Yes. I, I want to ask about hot yoga. Um, because then there's the hot yoga studios where you feel trapped and you can't escape, you know? And so we have these <laughs> jokes, like I have jokes about these different places, but I think a lot of people are wondering, like, you know, I don't want to go to the particular yoga place where all they do is all these really hard postures or the class where it's all the hard postures and it's just about the postures. And if you can't do them, then it's a waste because you're sitting there struggling to do them. And you mentioned before, like if you're wobbly on a posture it, or posture on a pose, it's because those muscles haven't been activated. And exactly. so I'm thinking all the times that I've tried to do Eagle and forgive me for not knowing all the different poses because sure. I've kind of just been like, <laughs> I can't do it. So I'm not, you know, and, and even thinking just straight up, you know, the different poses that I call the one on the one leg, it's probably something where your legs, arms out, legs out, triangle pose, probably a good one too. All of those were like, I'm wobbling and oftentimes I fall over. And, yeah. and the reality is, is like, I was shame, shaming myself for like, oh, I really suck at this when there's all these other people, you know, looking amazing and holding their stuff when in reality is just, I needed to tune up to tune them. Yes. First. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and all of those people that look fabulous have learned to compensate very few of them. I mean, if you test them neuromuscularly, most of them would test extremely weak. Um, and, and a lot of those people that look fabulous are going to end up injured just to completely go off topic for a second. Yeah. A lot of yoga people, especially really look to gymnasts mm -hmm. as like, you know, gods and, but there's two facts or a couple of facts that we have to kind of keep in mind about gymnasts. One of them is the life of a gymnast ends very quickly, you know, mm -hmm. 22, 23, 25 years old. You know, you don't really see a lot of gymnasts competing, you know, Olympic 
gymnast. I mean, look at Simone Biles tapping out. She was 26 when that happened. So you don't really see it a lot. Another interesting statistic I found is that 93% of, you know, professional gymnasts end up needing surgery of some kind, surgical intervention. So, you know, a lot of those people that look fabulous in yoga. Yeah. I look fabulous when I practice. If you saw me at 30 years old, you know, doing yoga, you would have thought, Oh my God, I want to look like him. Um, and then, uh, you know, 15 years later, I ended up in the surgeon's office. So, um, yeah, our yoga practice needs to be one that's geared towards cultivating stability for sure. And, and that's kind of like, that's where we're wanting to get to it. Um, stability of body is going to lead to stability of mind. And when a mind is stable, you know, that creates a space in the mind for inspiration to, you know, and, and opening up to the universe of limitless possibilities, a mind that is shrouded in instability and, you know, is, is focusing on, on, you know, the pain of the body can never elevate to focusing on the higher purposes of life. So that's the focus that, that I want to try to engender and bring into uh, yoga classes more. It's, it's going back to the original meaning and the original yes. practice, which, which is fascinating. And yes, and I think that that makes me much more inclined to want to jump into yoga versus what it's kind of morphed to in a lot of, lot of realms. Yeah. And, and, you know, all joking aside, love all you guys out there that are, are yogis, but a lot of us are just like, you know, that just what I said, you know, we're, we're like intimidated if we're the wobbly ones, but now that I'm thinking about, yeah. it, I'm like, Oh, I just need to, you know, work on some of the other stuff. Now, for, hi, yo for, go ahead. For, for people that are listening, that are yoga teachers. I would just implore you, please study more. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you think that you know about the body. And I, I don't say that in a facetious way or a sarcastic way. I say it as somebody who for 25 years, thought that I knew a lot about the body. I thought mm -hmm. I knew what I was talking about. And then mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, needing a spinal fusion or, or being told I was probably going to need a spinal fusion. Um, I don't need that anymore. I have never felt so strong and stable in my body. And, you know, students, everybody that comes to study with me after five, six days, they just don't get rid of their chronic pain. And it's shocking to see that. Um, stretching is not the answer. That's huge. That's huge. So I do want to know what, what's your scoop on hot yoga? Give us a scoop. Like <laughs> trendy, loosening our ligaments, making us more unstable. Like give, yes. I, I would like to know. Yes. To both of those things. Okay. It's, it is, I mean, it's trendy. The whole hot yoga thing is a gimmick. It was started by I want to say it was started by Bikram. He kind of really uh, coined the idea of hot yoga. I, I know that Baron Baptiste kind of took it and then, you know, blew it up um, in a different way and, and started all of these quote unquote hot studios, hot yoga studios. It's just a gimmick. There's absolutely almost no benefit to practicing in a hot room. Does it feel good? And this is the kind of thing that you end up dealing with a lot in the yoga world. Like, you know, yoga people say this a lot, like, well, you know, you listen to your body and you do what feels good. Well, doing a line of cocaine feels good. Drinking a bottle of red wine feels good. Just because something feels good doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. What we do want to do is start asking ourselves, how do we improve the function of, you know, the body? How do we improve muscular function. Um, and also a lot of people, you find this a lot, like, I wouldn't say this is a truth, like across the board, but I would say that it's, it's more typical that people that are, have a predisposition to being kind of quote unquote type A personalities are usually attracted to these hot yoga classes. And that's the absolute worst thing for those people to do because it just exacerbates their A-type personalities. It makes them more, you know, of that. And, and you know, my T, I was one of those people, by the way, I can speak to this with a lot of sureness because I am that kind of 
type A personality. I was attracted to the hot yoga. I was attracted to, you know, like, let's put on Led Zeppelin in our yoga classes. Let's, you know, go as fast as we can. And my teacher, you know, pulled me aside. I actually had two teachers, very prominent yoga teachers say, Aaron, you're not doing the right yoga for you. And, and sometimes we need a teacher to say that to us, like, you know, cause it goes back to this idea of like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should just because something feels good. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. So uh, luckily I, I listened to them. i and part of the reason why I listened to them was because my body started breaking down on me and I just couldn't, you know, keep up with, you know, those demanding style of yoga classes and started to do more calming practices, more slow practices, more methodical practice practices where I was working on slowing my breath rather than trying to speed it up. <laughs> that's, that's much more what I'm drawn to. Cause when I found that yes. this hot yoga, I was in a room and I couldn't leave. I was like, Oh no, this is not. For me. <laughs> I, I they bar know. the doors and lock you in. <laughs> yeah. What, what is, do you know why that is? I, no one can explain to me. They said that it's distracting to the, the group is, do you know why? I, 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 I don't really want to comment on it too okay. much because I think that a lot of different studios have different policies and, you know, I, I just, I would just say to your listeners, stay clear away from them. <laughs> fair, fair enough. That's, that's fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah. one of the things I know I'm going to get in terms of a question is like, okay, Yogi Aaron. Say I am 65 years old, say I'm 70 years yeah. old, even 80, 87 years old, yeah. like like my father. Yeah. How does it work? Can you still do it? Because folks are going to ask me, how can you do it at any age? Where do you start? Give us a skip. Yes. So where they can start, um, I'm going to give you a link. Yes. You can put it in the show notes and it will be the yogi.club forward slash Dr. Janine, um, Dr. Janine. <laughs> and um, people can go there and there's a couple of tracks that people can choose. They can either choose, you know, I am in pain or I want to help others get out of pain. And, you know, the, I would just say it's very hard to find good yoga teachers that understand the muscular system and how to improve the muscular system. Most yoga teachers are obsessed with you know, making muscles longer, which is the absolute wrong thing to do. We want to actually get muscles to start working properly. And I, my goal eventually is to have more people certify in the kind of yoga that I'm teaching in Yama yeah. um, and start bringing this to people because I'm on a mission, honestly, God's honest truth. The thing that drives me more than anything is to help people get out of pain. I just see so many people in pain. And as you know, from the work that you do, when somebody's in pain, where's all their mental energy going? I want to get out of pain. And, you know, that can lead to drugs that can lead to them spending obsessive amounts of money uh, on stuff that they don't need to spend money on. The cool thing about, you know, this work is like, you don't need to spend anything. It's basically free. You just need to do you know, take five, eight minutes a day, 10 minutes a day and do some muscle activations, get your neuromuscular system working properly. And you can get out of pain really quickly by doing uh, some of these things. So as you start to educate yourself, you can start to go back into some yoga classes and know, okay, this yoga teacher is teaching child's pose. What am I going to do? That's different. This teacher is teaching that crazy, stupid pose, pigeon pose, Raja Kapatanasana. No, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, don't do that pose anymore. It's the worst thing you can do for your body. And, you know, but what do you do? That's different. You don't want to like, you know, be that person that's, you know, disrupting the class. So how, how, what do you do? That's different. That's not going to be disruptive. And, so that's what I teach people how to start going to different yoga classes. What do you do that's different? And mm. not and and also when you start learning about your body, you're actually going to start learning more than the yoga teacher. When you start understanding what muscles are working and what muscles need to be improved, aka, like for example, the psoas, 
you start to actually learn your your skill set will be elevated a lot more. <laughs> and I think I mean I think that's great. I want everyone to have a knowledge of their body. I want people to understand how their body works because let's face it, we are our own best doctors. And when yes. it comes because we're in our bodies, right, 24 seven versus someone else. And so giving your power over to someone who who, you know, wants you to do what they're thinking. I mean, honestly, trusting yourself in that capacity for sure. Now, yeah. I think the biggest thing that I have in my mind, of course, because I know that you've got your retreats in Costa Rica, I think a lot of people would go, well, Yogi Aaron, I want you to just teach me. So let's talk about your retreat a little bit so folks can understand, you know, who's it for? Who's a good fit? Give us a scoop there because I think folks are going to want to learn from you versus trying to figure it out on their own at first. <laughs> so, well, I, I, you know, I have a lot of free content online and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the link I'll give you right away, I'll give people solutions to their pain. So people will get pain solutions to their back, their hips, their knees and shoulders. Um, people can come and study with me in Costa Rica. I offer retreats in Costa Rica. I'm not sure when you're going to publish this podcast, but I have one coming up at the end of February. Uh, I call it the pain-free yoga retreats. You're going to, you know, after five days, fingers crossed, we're going to get rid of your pain. Um, how are we going to do that? By getting your muscles to start working properly, getting that neuromuscular connection to work. People can also come in and take yoga immersions with me. I do 14 day yoga immersions and you know, that's, that was when I was leading those immersions, when I started developing the Yama system, I started noticing without fail, somewhere between five, six days and 10 days, people always got pain-free, got rid of their chronic pain. And that's what started to motivate me to do more of these and to start putting this, this information out there because it just works. So that's a couple of ways that people can come and hang out with me. Uh, they can also contact me and, you know, book a personal private yoga retreat as well. I often do those at Blue Osa and um, that's the way that they can do it. Blue Osa is an amazing place in Costa Rica. It's in the Osa Peninsula. We're on a secluded beach. We're surrounded by jungle, by um, scarlet macaws, by toucans and by monkeys. So it's, it's just a really magical place to be. Wow. You sold me on that. If nothing else, I mean, that would get me down there anyway. I think a, a lot of people are like, Ooh, that sounds great. You know, yoga is someplace, but also I can be pain-free. And, and, yeah. and that's the thing, you know, I, I look at retreats and I go, Oh, that's nice. You'll feel great while you're there. When you leave, then what? And, and that's why I always like to think about places that we can gain some really great information and, yes. and know how to help ourselves. Should we get into a pinch so I also have a ton of support content and that's been always on my mind. Like how mm -hmm. do people leave and feel supported afterwards? That's mm -hmm. always my number one goal. Huge, huge. Now, do you also have a list of a Yama certified yogi instructors on your website? So if folks are looking for someone closer to home, say travel's just not an option for them right now, or do you have virtual kind of things other than your resources too, where folks could do immersion that way? Yeah, people can do an immersion with me online. I do. I have a lot of support online. I am starting to build a registry um, mm -hmm. of people on my website. So that is at this moment, as I'm talking to you, that's mm -hmm. not up yet. But that by the end, by somewhere around the middle of 2024, that will be live because I am starting to build a huge collection of people. You mentioned uh, that you're from the Pacific Northwest. I have somebody in Seattle um, that teaches yoga that is, you know, a Yama certified. Uh, so there are people that are starting to develop um, and, and get across uh, the world. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, we will get that information from you because, of course, I like to be able to recommend to, to my current clients, but also anybody that's listening that's in the Seattle area, we'll put it in the podcast notes at drjcrossnd.com. And we'll also put all of Yogi Aaron's info retreats and everything on the website so you guys can check that out. Yogi Aaron, thank you so much. You've enlightened me. You've got a new perspective in my head about how to fit yoga into my world in a way yes. that may, that, that a lot, I'm going to say aligns in, in energetically with me yes. too on this. Awesome. Episode. Yes. <laughs> Did it. Did it. Thanks again. I sincerely appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it.
Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Janine. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, health junkies, Dr. Janine Krause here. I am looking for some help from you all. And what I'm looking for is some inspiration, some inspirational stories that I can share of men and women defying aging and defying it by crossing things off their bucket list that maybe they thought they could never do. Maybe coming back from an injury, starting something new, like skiing at 40 years old, whatever it may be, I want to know about these stories and I want to interview folks. Maybe it's you, maybe it's someone you know doesn't matter. I want to help inspire folks out there that you don't have to follow social aging norms. You can defy stuff. You can get better as you get older. You can make so much progress at any age. You can build muscle at any age. You can have a stronger heart at any age, and you can crush all those things you want to do on your bucket list. Just because you're older doesn't mean you have to give up on yourself and your dreams. And this is something that I want to share and inspire folks with. And so if you have a story or someone you know, email us at info at doctor spelled out. So D-O-C-T-O-R-J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Let's spread the word about how amazing life can be as you get older and all the cool things that you can do. All right. Health Junkies, I'm counting on you. Let's get some emails in and let's get some awesome stories on the podcast. Hey, fellow Health Junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix Podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.